tune in to this special follow-up episode of Happy Thrive Vibes for a dose of magic, reflection, and inspiration as Kim Whiting returns to reminisce about our shared experiences at a transformational conference over 20 years ago that planted the seeds for the inspiring journeys we've since embarked on. We'll revisit the exercises and personal growth that left lasting impacts on both of our lives and continue to shape our perspectives on happiness, creativity, and the pursuit of our best life. This episode is a celebration of enduring friendship, shared wisdom, and the ongoing journey towards personal and collective thriving. I'm sure you're as excited as I am to listen in as Kim shares more magical stories from her life's tapestry, from her work as a former psychotherapist and current life coach to the recent launch of her book called Like Magic, which is now available on Amazon. Congratulations to Kim on this accomplishment. We're all so proud of you. The link to purchase the book is in the podcast's show notes, along with Kim's email address if you would like to contact her for life coaching sessions. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm excited to get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our fan favorite, Kim Whiting. Um, (laughs) If you don't remember Kim, she was on a few episodes ago and we had great chats. She did have a call to action that we were, we would love to have your questions. I think the most, most comments that I heard were around my horse and the whole horse story and the horse situation messages of laughter. Um, it was, it, it, it was really a fun story. It was really true life. Like we didn't exaggerate it at all, but that we didn't, we didn't get questions. We just got a lot of comments. Um, but Kim Whiting is, she has a very interesting background. If you don't remember, she is a former psychotherapist, but I I say former, she's kind of really still is, but she just doesn't go that direct route. She kind of weaves it into conversations to get you to see a different perspective. And she currently facilitates workshops on happiness and creativity in small groups and individually with coaching practice. And I'm in her small group um, that we currently have with some friends. And I look forward to it every time we have it. I always leave in a great mood. And I've also worked with her one-on-one for my career when I felt like I was kind of stuck in a rut. And she helped me get out of my head because usually when we're in a rut, I've found for myself that it's because I'm usually in my own way. So Laura, as my mm-hmm. husband said, the mind is a terrible thing. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. We <laughs> can convince ourselves of a lot of things. So, and, and so I was talking to Kim and I said, you know, my horse story, she outed me for my horse story. And I have to tell you all it, that happened 20 years ago, but for the first 10 years, I wouldn't even talk about my horse story. Cause I was so was the horse horror story. <laughs> I, I was, I was horrified and embarrassed and just, just the thought of it, just the thought of my horse laying there, um, you know, looking up at me, like, you're kidding me. Right. Ah, oh, now I can laugh about it. And now I can see so many connections in my life. And I can see when I, you know, have an idea and I convince myself it's, it's foolish. I think of my horse and I think I don't care about my horse. I'm just going to do it, but I have to share you. So Kim and I went to side together and we, we had a couple times gone to California to their ranch. It was absolutely beautiful. And we went to, for a, a leadership, women's leadership, you know, this culminating um, celebration when you went through multiple trainings and we've been reminiscing about some of the exercises that we did there, because even to this day, I still think about, I know that the exercises aligned to things in life, like your reaction in an exercise is more in your face, but it does connect to your reaction in life typically. And so like we did a trust fall, for example, I don't know, Kim, if you remember, we did that trust fall. Oh yeah. I remember. I, I did not want to do the trust fall. A, I'm not a trusting person. It takes a long time. And I, it's not that I thought people wouldn't catch me because they had a job to do. They just had one job and it was to catch me. I really thought that they would catch me, but I felt like I was inconvenienced, like I was heavy and I felt like I was going to cause them pain or something or suffering because I was heavy and they had to put more effort into getting me. It's the same thing when they were trying to push me over the wall. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm so heavy because now you're having to, you know, really exert yourself to help me over the wall. But those were my things. And in life, those were my real insecurities. So anyways, when I did my trust fall, I, I, I yelled out right before I landed, I'm sorry. And I remember the person saying, 
what are you sorry about? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And like all these strangers are holding me and I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? And they said, you screamed, I'm sorry. And I said, I don't even remember screaming that, but I guess if I were going to say anything, I was sorry that they had to catch me. I was sorry. And that, and that they had to, you know, exert themselves and that they had to be there for me if that's not what they wanted to do at the moment. And in my life that aligns because I always used to wonder if everything was okay with the other person. And, you know, I would make my own decisions based on that. And I've really had to change and be more trusting more of myself that I'm making decisions for myself that matter to myself for my life. So I can totally see where that would align. But it, it, again, it's one of those things where you used to apologize me. for everything, you yeah. know, and I would, you know, we'd look at you and go, what, <laughs> what is she sorry? That has nothing to do with her. Why is she apologizing for that? Or that's not even something. And now we joke that it's for. a Maloney thing. Yeah. And I've been a Maloney long enough that maybe it is a Maloney thing, uh, but maybe. we do, we apologize. We apologize for everything. But then I tell my husband, you apologize for this foolish, most ridiculous stuff. Like, mm -hmm. because you were in somebody's way, but really, were you in their way? Like they could have gone mm -hmm. around, but then when you actually need to apologize, like, I feel like for the things that I should actually apologize for, I'm more mm -hmm. hesitant to, mm -hmm. and I actually should be apologizing, but for the, all these little tedious things that don't even matter, I'm so quick to say, I'm sorry. Well, like you said, it's this feeling deep rooted from probably very early childhood that, that you are just kind of a burden that you're in the way that other people are inconvenienced by your presence on the planet. And of course, you're such a light. I, you, you know this much more now. Um, and it comes across in your, you know, your decrease in apologies. But uh, back then, I think that you were so much, you know, you were 80% I'm a burden on this planet. And I was right with you. I apologized for everything too. Um, I, I still do apologize for too much. Yeah, I, I noticed... Uh, Oh, oh, two of us were going through a, a grocery store door at the same time and I apologized and it's like we were both going through the door like why should I apologize because <laughs> I also wanted to go through the door you know what I mean and I you used to yes. do the same thing yeah yeah so this is so this still, time you're going to tell a story myself. about me and uh so this time I'm outing you this isn't yeah. out like a funny this is like this is my favorite story of in our uplift, we've been talking about different ways to hold intention for each other and just recognize and be peaceful and be still and, you know, and get out of our own way and all of the things that we're trying to do just to um, have a better life and bring more meaning in our life by doing more of what we love. And so my favorite story of Kim is we had to, in this, one of our leadership, I think it was the women's leadership, because I only remember women being there for this exercise we had, we had to bring camping. I had to, I live in South Florida. I never been, I had never even been out of the state. I had to bring camping gear to California. Um, and I had no idea what it meant. And of course I was like, I can't afford all this stuff. So I had all this makeshift stuff. Like I had a duffel bag that I was trying to wear as a backpack because I couldn't afford a backpacking bag, you know, all, all these, so many analogies for my life. So anyways, I get there with my makeshift camping stuff. And they say, okay, for this exercise, we're going to walk you out into the woods in small groups and you're going to stay the night by yourself. You're going to have to figure out how to put up your tent. And me, I had not even put up, I bought my tent from Target, but I never had put it together because I, I didn't actually, I don't know what I thought. I thought we weren't using it. So I thought, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I have the instructions for this tent with me. So we're going out in small groups. Some women were panicking, true panic because they were fearful for their safety of being by themselves mm -hmm. um to see people's react i think their reactions to the exercise instructions was just as meaningful as the exercise itself after the, the entire fact. exercise mirrored our reactions to life it was a micro what i was saying about everything as part of the exercise being aligned to real life like how we attack opportunities i'll say because a lot of people were scared by this or how we react to them. I personally, because I spent so much time doing, 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 when they said we had to go out into the middle of the woods by ourselves and we weren't allowed to talk to anybody, I was so grateful for a nap. And the irony of that is when I finally, when we, when I got dropped off to my section of the woods, I put my tent up, I figured it out finally, which 
was really, I should have gotten an award just for that because I'm not that type of person, but I took a nap and I was so happy (laughs) that I couldn't sleep all night long when it was dark and freezing. So my brain was going crazy. Um, but I have some really good, I still have my journal from that time and I have some really good stuff in there, but my favorite, favorite, favorite part from that exercise is I remember when they came to get us the next day and I get, I'm geographically challenged. So even if there had been an emergency, I have no idea how I would have made it back to where we came from because I was just totally in the woods with no perception at all of how to get anywhere. Uh, they came for us. What we, what we didn't know, by the way, was that we were all like pretty close to each other, but we weren't allowed to leave our spot. And and by the way, one one another part of this exercise is all we had with us was water and a notepad and a pen besides, yes. besides our camping equipment and a toothbrush. Uh, that was the only thing we were allowed to. And so I was kind of jealous that you had a tent to put up. I had this tent where you literally just go, you threw it and it just, it was instant tent. And so I'm like, well, now what do I do? Like, that's it. I, I, oh, <laughs> no I totally wish I would have had that tent. Yeah. Well, and the only place that was the only place that was shady for me, because it was hot in the day, this is California. So yes. it was hot in the day. And uh, what the only place that was shady, uh, it was, I did have a tree, but it was on an anthill. Uh, so I had ants crawling on on me, but I was cool or I was out in the sun getting sunburned and boiling um, and dehydrated. So, yeah, those were my options. And, and uh, I had to laugh, you know, like I finally just it was such a wonderful exercise in in just accepting what was. It was, you know, I finally just took a deep breath and I'm like, OK, ants, you know, I have creepy crawly feelings on my skin, whatever. And so many people said that they heard things in the middle of the night. I was like, thank God I didn't hear anything in the middle of the night. But so yours was either. Those are, people, those to- are probably the people who were afraid because, you know, fear is a magnet. Oh, that's true. Or what you that's don't true. want. So if they were, if they were expecting to be scared. But we then- didn't have any lights or anything. Right. So no. like we were, I took my nap afraid. and you burned up my daylight mm-hmm. where I could have actually been journaling or yeah. <laughs> occupying my time. And then all I had was the night and I'm not for, I wasn't familiar with this. So it was so hot during the day that I remember just, I was just stripping down off my layers. I was like, it it was so hot, but then at night it was freezing Mm -hmm. and I hadn't anticipated that. So I had like this tiny little roll up blanket that was no good to anybody. And it was freezing all night. Um, so, but I don't remember being in amp house or anything. I just remember we weren't supposed to go within our radius. And I just remember now I can think back and go, I've always been a rule follower. Like I remember going, I don't care. And I walked out of my tent. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they can see me. Okay. I won't, I, you know, like I did, I stayed within my radius that I was supposed to. <laughs> did you follow the rules? Did you I, only I bring did, what but I happened to, to have, I happened to have people far enough away that I felt comfortable. Cause I like being alone. I wanted to be alone. Um, but, but I, I could tell that there were actually two people fairly close to me. So, and of course I didn't go in afraid at all. Like I was relishing, saw I, I, I backpacked on my own out in the wilderness. So th- this was just like, whatever to me. And so of course, for me, like I had company, it was just Bambi moments in nature for me. I had a family of deer, a family of turkeys, which of course reinforced my, my question about, should I have children, which is, by the way, Laura, we're finally going to get to a point on this um, about. Yes, we are. I'm reeling it in, which is ironic because I journaled about when I had to describe my, my dream person. I actually just described somebody that's in my life right now. And I didn't know that, but then you had your uh, epiphanies and you were seeing these families. And my favorite, 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 favorite part was I remember being at the edge of the grass when these people were coming back in their groups. And, you know, we were cheering on the people who had been scared and celebrating them that they did it. And then Kim came out she just had this look of awe on her face. And I was like, oh, and I, you know, I I was like, Kim, what did you learn? Because I knew she would have this, you know, fantastic, you know, I, I'm whatever it was. Probably, I, was so I knew, no, I had high hopes for you, Kim. I knew, I knew. <laughs> and Kim said, Kim was like, she was like, I, I realized I really want a family. And I was like, what could have led you to that? Like, that's not at all what I thought you were going to say. And that's amazing. But then she talked to me about all the different families that she was seeing when she was out there. And what's most magical, is this in your magic book? If it's not in your magic book, it should be oh, it in your is. magic book, Ken. Okay. So what's amazing was her husband had done the men's leadership. They had done the same exercise. And when he came back in, 
he had had that same moment of realization that he wanted a family also, but neither one of them had shared, you know, Kim had, he had gone through that before Kim did. I think he, he did his first, but he hadn't shared that with you. And then when Kim went home, she shared it. And then they had their aha moment together and now they have a beautiful family. Yeah, but Kim, can you give us some more information time. on how you had that realization when you were out there? Cause well, you, that wasn't something that was like top right. of mind for you. Um, well, that was the question that I went into. We, we were supposed to go into this exercise with some question to be answered. And my question was, should I have kids? I was uh, almost 40. Um, and so it was, you know, if I'm going to have kids, it's now or never. Um, I had never wanted children. I had never been interested in them. I had never wanted to babysit. I'd never changed a diaper in my life. I really, I, when my friends had kids, I said they ruined all my fun. Um, I felt like they betrayed <laughs> us. Um, uh, they called me Auntie Kim, but it was A-N-T-I, like I was the anti-Christ, you know, like, because I was so anti-children. Um, yes. I mean, I, I wasn't somebody who said, Oh, that baby's so cute. Can I hold it? I'm like, no, please take it. Um, so I, yeah, the fact that I had even like the smallest interest in, in that David was even questioning having a baby. And a lot of it was because Jeff had gotten closer to thinking he wanted to be a father. Um, but we, we got married 10 years prior to that with the agreement that neither of us wanted to have kids. That was part of our compatibility. So, um, yeah, it was pretty miraculous that I came out of that exercise realizing that I wanted children. By the way, it still wasn't enough that when I got pregnant, I didn't fall on the ground sobbing, saying, why have I forsaken myself? <laughs> I was like, why did I get pregnant? Oh, my God. It was rough. It was rough. I was not a natural mother. Um, but I, um, um, we got pregnant without trying. Um, and we just didn't prevent pregnancy. Um, and we got pregnant with boy, girl twins. So we got a whole family. In it's a family. Two. Yeah. And I wasn't going to get pregnant again because I didn't want to. And also because I was too old. Um, but anyway, so, um, the reason listeners that, uh, I believe that this happened so effortlessly, um, and by the way, I'll tell you a really woo-woo story in a minute. They'll just blow your mind. But anyway, um, the reason is that I didn't really care if we, if we had kids and, and Jeff didn't really either. Like we wanted them, but we were so happy, uh, with the life we had. And I knew that, uh, without children, I would have a wonderful, happy life. You know, maybe I'd foster some kids. Um, my life was already really meaningful. Um, and I didn't need children to create any kind of meaning or purpose for myself. So, um, so that's why it was so easy to get pregnant. I wasn't in my own way. I was in no way in resistance. Um, you, you know, I, everybody, knows of somebody who has tried really hard to get pregnant and gave up and then uh, adopted children and then got pregnant because as soon as I you stop too. focusing on what's not happening yet as soon as you stop focusing on you know there's there's two ends of of our sticks on desire one is what we want and the other one the other side is not having it and a lot of times when we're thinking about what we want what we're really thinking about is the not having it. That's the vibe that we're coming from. And so that's the result we get. We get more not having it. Um, and so uh, with, with children, I was just focused on it, the not, the not having it, because not having it was great for me too. Um, in contrast, uh, when I was 17 years old, I toured uh, University of uh, San Diego, UCSD, and um, as soon as I pulled into the train station in Del Mar, I said, oh, I want to live here one day. And of course, in my 17 year old mind, that that one day was like, you know, six months from then or nine or whatever, when I would um, uh, be going to school there. But I, I not only did I not get in there, I didn't get into any of the UC schools. Um, oh my gosh. And I know, and I was an honors student with good grades and whatever, uh, went on to get two master's degrees ultimately. But anyway, um, I, uh, I, and then I applied my freshman year as well. And again, didn't get in, in, and I'm now 59 years old and would still like to live in San Diego. So the moral of the story is I've been very attached to San Diego, you know, like I really want it and I don't really, the how that could happen, 
how I could have an, I want to live in Del Mar, you know, not just San Diego. I want to live in Del Mar with one of the most expensive places there is. Um, and so I, you know, how am I going to have the money for that? How, how could I possibly uh, land the house of my dreams in that place? And so that has gotten in the fact that, that for many years, I thought I needed to live there to be happy, uh, which is always a big mistake. Um, even though, you know, I preach to other people that it doesn't work that way. Wherever you go, there you are, I would say. And, but, but in yeah. my own mind, I was like, I'll be happy when you get to San Diego. So, um, and it's not that way at all anymore. I really, um, my life um, has been set up. I, I moved to Tulsa 20 years ago. It was my 27th move in my adult life. So I was a gypsy. I loved change. I loved adventure. I loved exploring new cities and staying still was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I haven't, I got the same phone number, addressing everything, even basically the same car. <laughs> Uh, that I've had for 20 years. There's been like no change. And um, so I really had to be happy without that rush of change, without the distraction of the newness and uh, exploration. Um, and and I found that place. You know, I've, I've been able to actually put down roots and be content, which means that probably San Diego is in my near future because now I'm like, eh, whatever, you know. You're like, whatever happens, here. happens. Yeah, whatever. So now it'll probably happen. Um Oh, so do you want to hear the, the crazy woo-woo story? About, I do. I want uh, to hear more magic stories. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you guys, I don't, you know, your beliefs may be very different from this, but just bear with me. And, you know, by the way, I, I just fi finished a magic book. I'll be launching it soon on Amazon. Um, and I, it's called yeah, Like Magic. Like Magic. And it's, a, it's real life experiences, including Laura's and mine and many other people, um, that are really uplifting and that raise the bar on our belief because the more the more that we can believe the more that we magic we allow in because it's it's done unto us as we believe um basically so um, yeah what is it what is that saying the yes unlocks the how yes yes or, or and and you know in case you've lived, been living in a cave and haven't heard you know that that it's our job to come up with the what we want and it's the universe's whatever you call that god or the divine or universal intelligence's job to work out the how that's and that's the magic when i when i say magic and magic can flow to us and also through us because we are magic and we're also magic for other people um but so um <laughs> It was the day the moving van came actually to pick up our stuff to move it to from Las Vegas to Tulsa. And I, of course, said, why aren't we moving to San Diego? Like we could do that. We could go slum it if we needed to. We don't have kids, whatever. Um, and Jeff just couldn't do it. And he was the breadwinner and he had a job in Tulsa. So he got to make the decision, which I felt very resentful about. But, you know, that was that. That was I had to let go of that resistance as well. So. Um, so I went to a psychic that day, uh, which is something I have almost never done. And On I, moving day, when the truck yeah. is coming to your house. Well, as they were loading up, I'm like, guys, I have an appointment. I'll be back. I mean, seriously, I'm like, do you have room for me? Because I was like, let's see what somebody else has to say about why the heck I'm going to Tulsa. Like, why? Um, it's way far in the other direction. I have no interest in going to that state. I'd driven through it once. And my only memory of it was being on the open highway with signs that said road construction next, next 140 miles. <laughs> I'm like, I'm moving there. But anyway, so I go to the psychic and let me preface this with, I believe that we're able to hear what we're ready to hear and what we're really open to hearing. So I was in so much resistance about this move that I probably, I, I couldn't hear, I wasn't open to really hearing about it. And and frankly, if she had said, if she had felt that I was going to be in Tulsa for 20 more years, I might've gone and jumped off a bridge at that point. So best that I didn't get the message on, on Tulsa. So I didn't get what I came for from that uh, session. Um, and other things were like, I don't know, nothing stuck out for me. I was like, well, this was a waste of time. But then she said, we have extra time. Do you want to have a reading done for anybody else? I'd taken my wedding ring off. I just gave her my first name. Like, I don't want to give anybody any clues. And um, I it, and and I said, yeah, how about Jeff, who's my husband? And she, and, which I didn't say husband, I just said Jeff. And she says, oh, your husband is about the most mellow person on the planet, which is true. Um, and you have, you, the two of you have an enviable relationship. People would really like to have what you have, which is also true. 
she said, but it's not a fiery relationship. It's very platonic. Um, and this is because for lifetime after lifetime, you two have been siblings. And, and then she started laughing at this point. And she goes, and very often twins. And she said, how funny that when you have finally come together romantically, you're going to have twins. And I didn't even want kids really at this point. Okay, mind you, I really wasn't even sure if I wanted kids. And uh, we have our family tree done for 400 years on both sides of my family, not a single set of twins. So I'm like, yeah, what a bunch of bunk. Uh, two months later, I was pregnant with twins. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. That is so interesting. Wild stuff. And I also started having dreams um, I knew I was having twins uh, when the doctor told me that there was another baby. He, he went, oh, my goodness, you know, with the ultrasound. And I was like, oh, there it is. And you're like, old news. Twins. Old yeah, news. I, I knew it. I knew it. I'd had dreams. <laughs> my first dream was um, premonition, I should say. Prophecy uh, was uh, when I, I dreamed. And I wasn't even aware of how you nurse twins. Um, so you do it. They call it the football hold. You're like... <laughs> hold of like a football in both arms and so I had a dream that I was nursing kids that babies that way and I woke up and I told Jeff about it and I laughed I said wouldn't that be a nightmare <laughs> it was. and you laughed and laughed and then you had your twins oh, in the funny. football position oh my gosh and then there they were being held trying to yeah 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 oh. so that's my and story. now they're grown now they're grown they are, and they're independent 19. and how old are they now 19? 19 yep yep and just so their own people and you know I, I knew that I would really enjoy them once they became teens and everyone's like yeah sure you know that's the worst time but it really was for me the older they got the, the more I enjoyed parenting because I'm like a got a serious big guy you know like I like to be able to do stuff with him and talk to him and stuff um, but uh but I you know I was I I uh boy did I learn a lot from motherhood again it was um all about accepting what is because it was hard and um I am so much happier now because of that um you know these quote challenging situations or bad situations that um really are where the magic is for us you know, that's where we mine out strengths we didn't know we even had. There's a, a, a luminary named uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith of Agape International Spiritual Center. In yeah, I really enjoy him. Yeah, he's awesome. And um, he, um, one of the exercises that he has people do is to imagine whatever you're experiencing in that you're not liking happening for the rest of your life. And he, he what, what we're supposed to ask ourselves is what qualities would I have to cultivate in order to live a, a meaningful, happy life within this? And boy, is that an illuminating um, exercise. And I, I didn't actually, I don't think I did that exercise. I know I did. I did. Uh, I don't remember what I came up with, but, but I, I say if I ever did that, I think I have, uh, a block, a mental block of that, because I don't remember ever doing that exercise, but I probably did. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah. Well, and it's a, it's a quick one. Um, but I, you know, I just kind of naturally, because my situation did seem to go on forever. You know, those early years of motherhood, when, when you, you know, can't do anything without a babysitter, the kids have to come along with you everywhere. I mean, they really seem to last an eternity. So I, I naturally had to mine out those strengths uh, or, or completely lose it. So, um, you know, it was actually a wonderful, um, wonderful, horrible experience. <laughs> it was really good for me. Yeah. And do they have any uh, desires to live in San Diego or still just you? Let's just you me. haven't convinced Jeff in all this 20 years. Oh, I mean, no, Jeff, Jeff he wants to live there desperately. Oh, he, he he would love to live there. Um, but he's even worse than me in terms of the uh the how, you know, that that's that's more of a block for him. I have a great story in the book about um uh he used to he used to get so annoyed with me. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, we 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 I, I had a magazine, uh, one of my magazines, um was also a print magazine and it went under at the same time that his um, airline did and that he helped start. And uh, so we were really in financial straits. 
And uh, he said, oh, Kim, you're going to, we have to come up with a thousand dollars like now. And I said, well, then we will. And he got so pissed. <laughs> he's like, oh, that in a buck 50, will get you a cup of coffee. You know, he's just so sick of my like spiritual platitudes. I forget what he calls them, but, um, and uh, so that like, made me dig deeper into my beliefs. I'm like, no, gosh, darn it. It's going to happen. And he said, when I say we need it now, he said, I mean, today, like it's due tomorrow. We have to have it. I'm like, well, then it will, you know, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> so anyway, we're out for a walk at this point, the rest of our walk, we didn't say a word to each other. We both steamed. Um, and then we got back to the house and we walk in and our friend who was living us with us at the time said, oh, hey, guys, um, I've got a check for a thousand dollars here that my dad gave me to buy your car, Jeff. And, I, you know, of course, I did a like self, you know, I did victory, victory lap. <laughs> I told you, and I told you so victory lap after that, but, but that is, you know, that's, that's how it happens that, that there is, if, if you can believe it, that the how, I mean, the difference between us sort of normal mortals and, you know, the Buddhas and Jesuses and, and whatever the prophets um, is that they didn't have any resistance. They, they knew that whatever was, they, just, they just anticipated that their needs would be met. Yes, and everybody else's if they if they desired to to do so. Um, so it was just you know it was just instant. And for for most of us, you know, we get our desires eventually. I know people who my clients of mine who had the same vision board on their wall for one of them for eighteen years, um, and pulled it out at one point, uh, you know, eighteen years later, and saw that she had just moved into almost the identical house on the coast that she had put on the vision board and everything else on that picture was, was exactly uh, what, what, what she had, uh, you know, brought, had come to fruition in her life. So, you know, it does. And, but she had forgotten about it again, you know, she was out of resistance by that point. She wasn't thinking, Oh, I don't have that yet. So, um, and you know, that's, that's how it works. Decide One of my favorite things to now. do is, is create vision boards, but not, not just like, sitting down with your, you know, I'm always looking and when I'm looking at magazines, I'm always looking for pages to pull out. I'm like, Oh, that's, I got to remind myself of that. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I had at one point when Tim and I were living, um, not in the keys and we wanted to be in the keys. We had no idea how it could ever happen because we both had careers that were not in the keys and they weren't, there was no work from home situation like, like there is now. Um, so we're, I said, I'm just going to make a vision board on, in our bathroom. We had the old eighties, um, closet doors that slid that were mirrored. So mm -hmm. I said, I'm just going to use that for my vision board because every time I go to the bathroom or at night when I'm taking a shower in the morning, I'm take a shower and get dressed. What every time I'm in there, I'm going to see my stuff and it, not fixate on it. Just, I'm just going to, it's just going to constantly remind it's me subliminal of my subconscious. Yeah. yeah. Subliminal. Mm-hmm. But I realized most of my things that were on that vision board, in hindsight, I remembered they were for Tim. And it was, I had pictures of the keys. I had pictures of overseas highway. I had pictures of, it said, I remember in big, bold letters, it said, retire early. It had all of these things. Well, we ended up within a year, we were living in the keys. He had transferred here. I trained, I got a job here. Uh, online remote remote had been taking off for education and one county away they needed remote teachers for that could be close enough to Miami to go there if we needed to so I got a job in a, in a school um within a year we were living here and he retired early and in, in his career he had 33 years with his company but he retired in his early 50s I think he was 52 at the time and that's unheard all and all I think about is all the things I had on the vision board and then I think dang, how can I do that for him? But my, um, my airstream, I had it for 20 years on a vision board and I just finally got it. But it's like, for me, it's so prolonged. Like it takes two, it'll finally come to fruition. The perfect opportunity will happen, but it takes two decades as opposed to one decade. So well, you know uh, why you know, the airstream didn't come for all those years? Well, because was, you weren't ready to go camping and play. I you, wasn't ready to have any adventures. I did. Working. I know this is my That's third time to charm camper. That's right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you, I mean, I'm sure the universe was very willing to give you that airstream whenever you wanted it. It's just that you didn't really wanted it. 
wanted. I mean, you wanted, but, but you really, I wanted want what it represented to me for how it would make me feel. That's yeah. what I wanted. And, and you wanted, because every time I saw an Airstream, I'm telling you, we could be driving down the road and it didn't matter what my mood was or what my state of mind was. I would see an Airstream when we were driving down the road and I, and I turned into a five-year-old, oh, an Airstream, look how shiny. <laughs> and it, you know, even Tim would go, oh, there's your Airstream. You know, we, we would always pick them out and it, it would, I would just go, I would just revert back to child. Oh, look at that one day. <laughs> With your inner child. And the thing is that you just didn't let your inner child out to play no. for a really long time. You were too busy, you know, being not like the horse, you know, being being very responsible and upright and not at all odd or unusual. Um, yes, not standing out in that way. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, what, once you were ready to have an airstream and really go on trips and really take vacations, I knew that, you know, that you were finally shedding uh some of that need, a lot of that need to be seen in a certain light that you had, to, I don't know, broken free of it. And I think it's because you've been seen as the responsible, upright person that you needed to be back in the day right. for so long. Uh, for those of you that don't know Laura uh, at age- I was 25, 25. 25 I was 25 and my little brother was 15, yeah. Yeah, and so- But really it started when I was much younger because yeah. our parents had a tumultuous relationship and we just had, you know, our family life. It, it was, I remember just even when he was one and I was 11, I'm 10 years older than he is, you know, he, you know, my dad handing him to me and saying, "We, I just need you to, you know, take care of your little brother. And that is what I've done my whole life. Take care, of, you know, take care of my family, my siblings and- and now well, we're empty what, nesters, so what yeah, I don't need to be responsible for. anymore. Yeah, right. And it was what you got rewarded for. I think that, you know, last time we were talking about, you know, the Skinner's rats, and if you push the lever and get a pellet, right. you'll keep doing it. And, you know, those behaviors that had you, you got rewarded for being this responsible sort of no nonsense workaholic uh, person. And so, yeah, but you also realized how unrewarding that lifestyle was for you in terms of freedom and joy and yeah, definitely. Yeah. And living in a place where people vacation and then yeah. them saying to me, oh, I bet you go kayaking and paddle. I bet you go on the boat every day. I'm like, are you crazy? No, I'm sitting, I'm, I stare at the boat every day. It's right there. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't go out on the boat every single day. I don't, um, no, hardly, maybe yeah. not even once a week. Yeah. So, but it's interesting. I too, I had, I used to have three vision boards because so I would make a vision board like on eight by 10 with my scrapbooking supplies, you know, and I would get, you know, frame them and, you know, and I, I remember putting them all away when I was redecorating. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, stared at these vision boards. Same thing with my journal, my, my, my gratitude. And I, I was writing the same goals. So, I, you know, I was doing the method where, you know, you write down your goal as if you've already reached your goal. And so I'm like, my God, how many times, how many, years am I going to write the same thing how many years am I going to stare at the same thing so I put it all away and I'm like forget it you know I'm focused too much on it and nothing's happening and I found them the other day and I had you know like taken my student loan and I had, I had taken my balance online and printed out the page and I had made my numbers into zeros mm -hmm. like I did all the tricky things for to trick my brain and to convince uh -huh, myself uh -huh. that all these things had happened like writing and, yourself uh, a check like Jim Carrey did he, he I should have done that but you remember that loans story? are zero now but do I did people, not write myself a check and I should have. Do you know that story about Jim Carrey? I don't. So mm -hmm. he, he uh, when he moved to California, to Hollywood, he wrote himself a check for $20 million and he kept it in his pocket and said, I'm going to earn $20 million uh, for, for a movie. And he wasn't even an actor yet. He hadn't even gotten a gig. Um, and he was the first actor to earn $20 million for a movie. Oh my gosh. I need, I should have not said my student loans were zero. I should have said they were negative. So I can get some cash out of it. There you go. Obviously I need to write a check at this point and I need to pull out some more magazine pictures and I need to get back to my vision boarding. That's there what you go. Happen. There you go. And, and, and also, and not be attached to it at the same time. It's just fun. And, and, and listeners, um, I differentiate vision boards and what I call visualization boards. Um, and here's the difference. So vision boards, uh, what most people are doing, and these are effective. I mean, they they do work, um, can work as long as, again, as long as you believe and you just kind of let go of it. Um, but vision boards are pulling out images that represent what you know consciously that you desire. 
visualization boards are just getting into a happy place, maybe meditating a little first, dancing to your favorite song, whatever, drinking some wine even, you know, it can be a party you can do with other people. Um, it's just being in a high vibration place where the, the inspiration and the good stuff flows. And then you go through the magazines and any image that elicits an, an expansive feeling and mm, an ah, and oh, uh, yes. Um, anything that elicits those kinds of feelings, um, take those out, don't question them, then uh, place them on the board or the wall, uh, however you want them. Uh, and again, don't, don't think about it, just do it. Um, and then when you're done, step away from it and notice how you feel looking at it. And whatever those feelings are is what your soul is craving to experience and express more of. So like my current one is enchantment. You know, I do want some funny that my book coming out is magic about magic um, and enchantment um, because, yeah, I just want to feel more magic in my life, more of the joy and the rush. And, the you know, I, I do want my life to feel like a Disney Disney cartoon. Um, and so and so that's that's the feeling I get when I look at my my vision wall. It's a whole wallpaper. Let me tell you, I've been doing this for years, so it's covers half the office wall here. <laughs> I've changed over the years. I used to pull out pictures. I used to pull out pictures of things like, oh my gosh, look at that watch. Oh my gosh, look at that purse. Like, cause I just love style mm -hmm. and it, and you know, growing up poor, I didn't have those things. Like I had the generics of those things, but I always wanted those things. Mm -hmm. And now as I'm older, honestly, I pull out words. I seem to be pulling out words of feelings of like a word of play. So it's more like reminding myself of, the feelings, mm -hmm. not necessarily pictures that bring that feeling to me. It's just strange. Mm -hmm. I just feel like my, my, if I were to do a vision board right now, with the things I have in my file, because mm -hmm. I constantly am tucking things away. It's, it's mostly words of feelings well, of how words, I want to feel. Words initiate because we have associations with words. So we, words initiate whatever that association is, sometimes it's just like a mental gift. Like it's just something that, you know, pops into our mind really quickly. But uh, when we see the word, we, we feel the feeling that goes along with that word. Mm -hmm. And for that millisecond or those seconds, we are a vibrational match for whatever that word represents for us. So um, yeah, some people, their visualization or vision boards uh, are all words. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. My vision board is like, there's like no room, there's no space. You know, I, I completely cover every, every space on my vision boards, any one I've done over, and I've been doing this for what, 30 years or more, uh, 35. Um, whereas, you know, for example, my friend did one, uh, at a workshop that we did and, um, she had, everybody got, I purchased them. Everybody got a, a whole poster board. She put one image in the middle and that was in her entire vision board. And I'm looking Were you like, at move mine. over. Let me show you how to add some more things to that. No, <laughs> no I'm just I kidding. looked at hers and I went, oh my God, that feels good. I'm just going to take yeah. a picture of yours and put it on my wall. You know, like, like that's really what I, you know, like I realized looking at hers that what I was really craving wasn't all these things I thought I wanted. I just wanted space and peace. The, the image was a, was a person looking up at a waterfall. That was it. And that was the entire page. And I said, oh yeah, that's it. And, and guys, like, obviously she nor I were craving having our own waterfall or even taking a trip to a waterfall. Right. What we were, and that's what I mean by a visualization board. What we were craving was that feeling because as we mentioned last podcast, what we really, when we want something, uh, when we think we want something anyway, what we really want is the feelings we believe that we would feel having or being that way. And so, uh, yeah. So just that openness, just, mm, yeah. I don't know if I have ever done a vision board. I do the same thing. I fill up the whole, I fill up the whole there. Not only do I take up the whole space, they're overlapping. Yeah. But, but if you look, so it's, it's the same with my life because yeah. my house is I love to decorate and it's, I feel like it's sparsely throughout. I have, do have tchotchkes for those of you who are watching, who've been to my house. Don't laugh at me. I know I have stuff, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, not a minimalist by any means, but if you go through my house, it seems normal. <laughs> but when you go to my office and you think, how can you concentrate? 
And it's because I'm like, I love all of my favorite things and I, I want them all around me. So my desk, you can't put anything on my desk. It is full of my favorite things and well, my sticky Lord, notes. Did you know, did you know that how each room is in your home represents whatever that room represents for you so so oh no I didn't know that yes so it is no coincidence whatsoever that your work room is completely packed with no open space uh and that the rest of your uh house is organized <laughs> oh this, uh, this is organized chaos in here you and you yeah. and you would never know it from like I, I know how to keep my life organized chaos and, and yes. also, and very full and very full, yes. like, like not much room. So yeah. So listeners, you know, if you want to know what you're really feeling about an area of your life, I had a, I had a client back in the day who had been sexually abused as a child and um, she had moved to her new home with her husband. I don't know, like seven years prior and had never unpacked the, the boxes in the bedroom. The rest of the house was completely set up, but she like wasn't like ready, emotionally capable of basically unpacking herself into the bedroom and settling into, you know, her intimate life. So, and that's a real serious oh, interesting. thing, but, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like this is, uh, you know, for most of us, it's sort of like, like my, my family room is, um, always disheveled I mean it's just always you know, like oh. and it's because we always have people that's our that's that's our life you know we always have the kids and their friends over it's a revolving door and um so that's what our family room looks like I can't even keep it clean and I can't I kind of can't keep up with the you know the revolving door so yeah but so so if you're wondering about how how you feel about an area of your life you know look at look at the rooms that represent that and you can work backward you don't have to change that area of your life, like like Laura, so much your work life. You can change your office, in your case, uh, to more closely uh, resemble how you'd like to feel in your work life. So it may be just that you create, you know, you, you open up two areas of space on your desk. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, so yeah, so you can, uh, you know, listeners, you can work backward on this. And it's kind of fun to do that, actually, to, to go into a room and make it feel the way you'd like it to feel. And then that kind of then generalizes into that area of your life. It's it's a metaphor. So everything's a metaphor. It is a metaphor. Mm -hmm. So before before we're done today, I really want I've had I have a note on my computer on my other screen right next to me here about holding a vision for someone. This is what we do in our uplift. And I, I feel like it's so important. I learned this technique from you and I did not realize the power in just holding a vision for yourself or someone else. Because I used to think, oh, I don't have time for meditating. Like I don't have to, 30 minutes to carve out of my life and I don't have, you know, just making it bigger than what it really needed to be. But you taught us that you really only need to hold that vision for 17 to 20 seconds. 17 seconds and you can even do it less. I mean, you know, it's 17 seconds. Uh, don't know how they figured this out, but the 17 seconds, it starts, that's holding that vibration long enough that it actually starts making physical changes. Um, but if you even just hold it at all, you know, the where two or more gathered effect, you know, if the more people who are focusing on what somebody wants and, and what we, we specifically picture is the way somebody would like to feel, um, uh, the more likely that is to happen because we're all energy. So if we're putting that energy out and directing it at beaming it at that to that person, uh, you know, it starts working its magic. And, and the reason it's so wonderful to hold a vision for somebody else is that because is because our beliefs are often our, our excuse me, our desires are often beyond our beliefs, like like my house in Del Mar. I bet everybody else in our uplift group could believe that life could orchestrate a house for me in Del Mar. Absolutely. And, and, so, and that's why. So if somebody else holds, so so what happens is when we hold the vision for somebody else, what we're really doing is basically seeing the situation as universal intelligence, God, the divine, whatever, sees the situation. It's like, oh, heck yeah. 
just like that, you know, a piece of cake, you know, I created the entire universe and orchestrated. I can, I can get you a house in Del Mar, like nothing. Um, so, um, so basically, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're holding the truth for somebody else when we're, when we're picturing what they desire coming to, to fruition, um, or the way they feel, um, uh, being, being their reality. So, um, yeah, it's really powerful. Um, and, and that's what, you know, kind of like group prayer, it's the same thing basically, but it's, it's more of a, more of an, a positive affirmative uh, kind of thing rather than a, a begging or please or a, or I need this um, and I don't yet have it. It's picturing them having it and going, yeah, done deal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's a really powerful thing that we do for each other in our Uplift yeah. group. So yeah, so do all it right. for each other out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll change the world. I mean, you know, if we can all hold the truth for other people so that everybody can rise up to the level that they want to rise up and our planet, by the way, you know, we can picture the planet being the way that that we want it to be, which, by the way, you know, our, our thoughts create. So if we're picturing, you know, we're, we're focused on, you know, the, the destruction of the world and climate change, you know, horrors and all that stuff, we're going to get more of that. Uh, hard, hard not to do when, you know, when wars are going on and that kind of thing. So, you know, if you don't want war, or Rev. Michael, who I was talking about before, he sees the news as a prayer list. And by prayer, what he means is if he sees a war, he closes his eyes and pictures peace for a bit. Um, you know, if he sees disaster, he pictures everything back to being harmonious and cleaned up or whatever. So, yeah, oh, do that. Reverend Beckwith is, do that. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. And let me say again, let us say again, uh, if you guys have questions that you want to ask us, uh, feel free to email um i think laura you're providing an email uh as the questions we'd be happy to answer them in a yep your email is in the your email and i'll include my email is in the description and then be sure to like and subscribe and ask your questions and we will come back here and we will be super fun we would love to answer questions like i i I hope you will because i i want you to do that Yes. yes. You can still make horse comments. You can still make all the comments <laughs> for all that you love about the show. Absolutely. But yes, we'll take you your questions. You can call me Auntie Kim, A-N-T-I. <laughs> <laughs> and we would love to answer them. Well, thank you, Kim. It's always right. a pleasure having Bye. you on the show. All right. Bye. See you next time. Bye, guys. everyone. All right. Bye. And there you have it, Thrive Tribe. We hope this episode sparked inspiration so you can shift from surviving to thriving by doing more of what you love. Remember, the journey to manifesting your best life starts with embracing what you love and letting those happy vibes lead the way. If you're ready to continue this uplifting journey, hit that subscribe button and join us for more episodes filled with inspiration, real stories, and practical tips to fuel your path to happiness and success. Don't forget to connect with us on social media to share your own stories of thriving and manifesting. Tag us using hashtag happy thrive vibes. We can't wait to hear from you. As always, thank you for being part of our thriving community. Until next time, keep radiating those positive vibes and manifesting the life you love. Keep thriving.